thankful to know how faithful God is to us and that He has not changed nor ever will. He's always to be trusted, always trustworthy, and uh, we can depend on Him every step of the way. That's good news, isn't it? It's great to see you all here this evening. Let's go together to God in prayer, please. Merciful and kind God in heaven, we are just so thankful to be your children. So thankful, Lord God, that you blessed us and allowed us the opportunity to be your children. That you look down from heaven and you consider us yours. That you look down from heaven and you watch over us and keep us and you care for us in our times of need. And, Lord God, and just protecting us from the evil one, we thank you so very much. We ask that you'll help us, please, as we worship you, that all things that we have said and done, we pray they have been pleasing and acceptable in your sight and in accordance to your will and your way. Please bless us, Lord God, that we might continue in this worship, bringing glory and honor unto your name, remembering and always thinking about Jesus, your great Son, who died that we might live. It's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray and thank thee. It be thy will. Amen. We're going over to Second Peter, finishing up Twister, um, really quickly. So God gave us his word. Thank you, God, for that, right? Because we can all pick it up and we can read it ourselves. We're not supposed to be like puppets where the preacher says something and you believe it because the preacher said it or the elder or the deacon or your best friend or a member or whomever it may be. You can pick the very word of God up and you can read it yourself and gain an understanding. Now, the level or the depth of our understanding, well, that basically comes from the depth of our study. The more you study, the more you grow. The less you study, the less that we grow. So, what about people, preachers in particular, who take the Word of God and, like our game suggests, and twist it for their own pleasure? How many people do you know who have some amazing thoughts about the Bible that aren't true? <laughs> Where do you get that from, right? And then how many people do you know that, that don't even use the Bible? They use maybe another book or a different idea in religion. We have to be careful because people love to twist the scriptures to their own advantage. Verse 14 of Ephesians, uh, 2nd, excuse me, Peter chapter 3. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. And regard the patience of our Lord to be salvation, just as also our brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. As also, in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in understand, which the untaught, excuse me, and which some things are hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. And so, so people take the Bible and they, and they twist it, especially something that's hard to understand. So, when you think about the, the religions that really have gone astray, um, and, and really their followers have followed them, usually it's from the book of Revelation. Usually a preacher grabs the book of Revelation, puts his own thoughts in there, and then has a following, uh, and people will say, well, I, if that's what it says, and that's what it says, uh, without understanding what the Bible's saying. And so people are being led astray. Not just that, there's even also the most simplest form of the understanding of the Scriptures, Paul wrote some things. The Bible from God sometimes, in some places, is a little hard to understand. And like Ken said this morning, which is 
what I always say is, we'll deal with that later, <laughs> right? We need time to deal with those things. I try to understand them and to, and to grow in them. Listen to what it says in verse 17. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard, lest being carried away by the error of unprincipled men, you fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And so it's our responsibility to study, to grow, and to understand God's Word. And where things are foggy, number one, don't teach it. Right? Number two, step away and pray about it. And when God's ready, He'll give it to you. Right? Now, the other part of it is, you know, instead of running to a commentary to, get, to gain and understanding, trust in the God of heavens who will give you the understanding. You just have to read and read. That's what we don't like, right? You have to read and read and reread and read and then forget what you just read because maybe you read it wrong and reread it again. We, we found that um, in studying that if you study with someone and you read a verse and they're struggling with it, we read five verses above, five verses after, and then they say, I still don't see it, then do it again and do it again and do it. You say, well, I'll be in Bible study forever with that person, however long it takes, right? Because sometimes we have to unlearn what we've learned to really, truly learn what God wants us to learn, right? Okay. Uh, now, Second Peter chapter 2. Satan loves this. Satan loves to take the scriptures and, and twist them all up, right? Um, he uses preachers to do that. But false prophets, verse 1, also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Well, wait a minute. I said preachers. He uses teachers, right? He uses elders, deacons, members, preachers. I mean, he uses everyone, anyone willing to pick the word of God up and teach something that they don't quite understand. And in this, they introduce these teachings that aren't correct or aren't true. Verse 2. And many will follow their sensuality. That's what's so amazing, right? You take, you have false doctrine, but many people will follow that for whatever reason. They've been deceived, right? And because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. Now, here we go, members. Second Timothy chapter 4. Now here comes the, the, the way that oftentimes we look at scriptures or the idea of, well, what are we going to do about this situation that we're in? Well, here's what the Bible says. Second Timothy chapter four, it tells the preacher to uh, preach the word and be instant already in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Okay. Here comes the problem for the time will come. But a time will come when, when people, members of the body, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desire or to these itching ears, right? They'll, they'll find a, a preacher or, or an elder or a deacon or a teacher or whomever it is to tickle the ear instead of giving us what, what thus saith the Lord. And in verse 4 it says, and will turn aside or away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. They, people sometimes don't want the truth. And, that, and that's a problem, right? 
that's a problem. Revelation, please, chapter 22. We have to be careful uh, of, of twisting the scriptures for our own advantage. We have to be careful of uh, twisting the scriptures uh, to even gain a following, whatever the, whatever the reason may be. But I guess if we call it a spade, a spade, it's don't lie on God. <laughs> we might say it like, I know sometimes, sometimes it's accidental, and I get that. And, and, and maybe, maybe prayerfully God gets it, but, but don't lie on God, right? If you don't, if you don't understand it, don't teach it. And, and, and if you, if you, if you're trying to put something in there that shouldn't be in there, don't lie on God. Revelation 22, verse 18. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God shall add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. And I like to always, when I read Revelation 22, to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 12. It's, it's in other places in the Bible, but, but some folks say, well, you know, when he says don't add and don't subtract, it only applies to the book of Revelation. Well, that's not true. Deuteronomy 12, if you will, and um, verse 32, the very last verse, whatever I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add or take away from it. In Proverbs, it says, and in other places, it says that God does not want us to, to lie on him, right? Now, let me show you a liar. First King. Chapter 13. I want to show you, and I want you to think about how cruel this really is. And we're going to see the, the picture. You've read the scripture before, but I want you to think about the precious soul that loses his soul, loses his life, spiritual life, because someone chose to lie on God. First Kings chapter 13 and verse 15. The old prophet and the young prophet. Then he said to me, come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I cannot return with you, nor go with you, nor will I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For a command came to me by the word of the Lord. You shall eat no bread, nor drink water there. Do not return by going the way which you came. That's God's command. And then we go up and we learn God's word and we, and we understand it. And then someone comes along and twists the scriptures. And, and, and you know what happens sometimes? Oftentimes it happens in universities. You know, did God, God create the heavens and the earth? Did God create the heavens and the earth? Let me show you where the Bible's wrong. And you have these people that, 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 that for some reason have this uh, uh, anger towards God. They want to always prove God wrong, and yet, and yet they know nothing about what they're talking about, especially in the realm of, of evolutionary uh, creation and things of that sort, Darwinianism. But it's taught in our universities. And our young folks begin to have this doubt, right? Did God really say that was exactly what God said? In the beginning, God created the heavens. And you're, yeah, but let me just show you some stuff over here. And this is what's sad. It's one of the saddest, many sad scriptures in the Bible. Verse 17 again, please. For a command came to me by the word of the Lord. You shall eat no bread nor drink water there. And do not return by going the way of which you came. And he said to him, I also am a prophet like you. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you to your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. Right? Why would he do that? 
kind of sad, isn't it, when you think about it? it and you say, well, you know, the, the young prophet shouldn't have fallen for it, but that's just how Satan works. He causes us to believe something or fall for something that isn't correct or isn't true. And so verse 19 says, so he went back with him and ate in his house and drank water. And you know the end of the account. Died. Don't, don't let people lie to you. And when they begin to lie to you, get away from them when it comes to God. Jeremiah, please. Chapter, chapter 17. And maybe this is it. Maybe, maybe sometimes, um, you know, I, I enjoy being lied to when it comes to God's Word. Maybe, maybe sometimes it's just, it's just what I want. Maybe it's like a, you watch a magician, you just want to be fooled, you know. We just like to see it. We want to see that. We want to know, how do you do that? Show me how you do that trick. Like to be, like to see illusions and fall. I don't know. You say, well, that's, that's not, that's probably not it, preacher. And maybe, maybe, maybe it isn't. But maybe sometimes I like to hear what I want to hear, right? Maybe it makes me feel better if you will say things to me that are good and, and, and you know, admirable. And I, and so for that reason, I like, I, maybe I want you to boast my, uh, my, my, my arrogance up, if you will, or boost it up and, Help me to boost, boast about myself. And so you help me and you, maybe, I do know this, whatever the reason may be, God says the human mind, and this is not always fun to read, but it, uh, we're going to read this section of scriptures. The human mind is twisted. The human mind, as smart as we may be, or sometimes think that we are, and as good a people we could possibly be as much as we love each other the human mind is is sick and you, and you say well i'm not i'm not sick well i know we may not want to uh, to admit it but god sure seems to think so and i think i have an idea maybe i'll share it in just a moment as to where that may come from but jeremiah 17 and verse 9 says the heart is more deceitful than all else. It's talking about the mind, right? And is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Let's, let's think about this. Let's, let's, you know, okay, oh, oh yeah, yeah, well, so, the, so there's this, this family and this father kills his whole family in the night and then kills himself. And we go, how could anyone do that? And then, you know, you watch the news and you get all this negative stuff and you start wondering, who, how could people do some of these Horrific things to their children, to themselves, to their spouses. All kind of messed up. And then verse 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the result of his deeds. And so God says, I'm, I need to check the heart out, the mind. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 1. To get into your thinker, preacher, to figure out why you think the way you do. There are, there are still um, islands where there are cannibals, right? On the islands. There, there, are, there are places in this world that are still pretty twisted. And you start going, wow, how did we, how did we get that way? From Adam and Eve, and then time goes on to where we are today. How did we get that way? How did Israel, turn, how did they turn out the way 
What happened to them? And we know the answer is idolatry, right? All of this, all this sick stuff comes from idolatry. We know that. Verse 3. An ox knows its owner, and a donkey its master's manger. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Alas, sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly. They've abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from Him. Where will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there's nothing sound in it, only bruises, welts, and raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, nor softened with oil. God, God says, you, you humans desperately need me just to stay on the straight path. <laughs> just, and what happens is when I start thinking or believing that I don't need God, I'm in trouble. Or my wife reminds me. But either way it goes, I know I'm in trouble. Ecclesiastes 9. So God seems to think that there's something going on in our minds that is a little twisted. Well, well let's think about this for a moment. Um, so on one hand, you, you have Satan who uh, absolutely adores us, right? <laughs> yeah. He hates us. People don't even like to use the word hate any longer. are like, well, don't use the word hate because it's too strong of a word. Let me tell you something. Satan hates you, right? He would love to see us burn in, in, in fire on earth and, and then bring us, snatch us from the fire. You know, I was thinking about Pilate, you know. Pilate scourges Jesus. He beats him nearly to death. They, they mock him and, and, and beat him for a moment. And then Pilate brings him out to try to say, hey, you know what? I don't see any guilt in him, so uh, would you guys want to take him? Like he's half dead. Why would you let him go now? What is, what, what's wrong? Something's going on in the, I don't know what was going on in Pilate's mind, but something that wasn't right was twisted. If he's innocent, stand up and do the right thing. Well, no. The right thing is to save myself, not anyone else, right? Ecclesiastes 9 in, in verse 3. There is an evil in all that is done under the sun. That there is one fate for all men. Furthermore, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil, and insanity is in their hearts throughout their lives. Afterwards, they go to the dead. Okay, so let's think about this now. I started out talking about, well, Satan hates us, right? And God loves us. I mean, right, a love that we can't even really truly define. Agape, okay. Love without, without, it's just a love, right? It's amazing. How many times, church, have you run into the arms of Satan who hates you and run away from the God who loves you? That's pretty sick, right? That, that's pretty sick. Each of us has found ourselves falling into the trap of Satan. And we, we have to remember, turn please a second, uh, Peter, we have to remember the God who loves us and serve Him only and honor His name and, and give ourselves to Him and, and, and be a part of all that He is. And, but so many times I find myself going toward the bad guy, 
I'm rooting for the bad guy and I fall into the trap of sin because I, because I can? Or maybe because I want to? Because That's sick. Right? That's pretty sick. I may not want to admit that, but it is. And then God says, let me give you a picture of, of sick minds. 2 Peter 2 and verse 20. For after they have escaped the defilement of the world by the knowledge of the truth of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment delivered to them. So God says, look, it's better. If you never knew me and all that you know is Satan, then to know Satan and to know that he just wants to just utterly just destroy you, right, while you're alive, not even kill you. Just look at Job, right? Keep you alive and just torment you forever and ever and ever. And then get to know God for a moment and then say, I want no part of that and run back to Satan. And God says, it's better as you never knew me than to do such a sickening thing. How sick? Verse 22. It has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to its own vomit. And a sow with the washing returns to wallowing in the mire. God seems to think there's something wrong with us. We need God. We are sheep. Right? And we need God. Romans 5, please. We'll begin to wrap this, this up. We need God. Every step of the way, every, every moment of our lives, we all need God. We not, we not only need God, we desperately need our God. You ever, you ever heard this twisted saying? God has so much grace that we can sin freely and just keep on sinning. Don't worry about it because God's grace is going to cover you. Right? You're good. Don't worry about it. You don't have to worry about obedience to God. Just God loves you. You'll be all right. I heard this one just recently. It was, sometimes you must do wrong in order to do right. And I thought doing wrong would take you in the wrong direction and then you got to turn around to get back to what's wrong. But anyways, sometimes you must do wrong in order to do right. Twisted thinking. Well, is that the first time you've heard that? Well, no. Romans 5, <laughs> beginning in verse 19. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. And the law came in that transgression might increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. That as sin reigned in death, even so, Grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So someone says, all right, don't worry about it then in your life. God will. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. God will always forgive you. Is that true? Turn to Matthew 6. 
So I can keep on sinning because grace abounds more and more and more. And so it doesn't matter because now we add this thought. God will always forgive you. That's not true. Verse 12. Now forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. For if you forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. No, God will not always forgive. I have a part to play in forgiveness when it comes to humanity. Matthew 18. Matthew 18 and verse 32. He told this parable. And in the parable, he says in verse 32, Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you entreated me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave, even as I had mercy on you. Well, no, I don't have to have mercy on someone because, no, that's just because God had mercy on me. I don't have to have mercy on other people. Do you know what they did to me? And then Jesus says, do you know what they did to me? <laughs> Oops, <laughs> right? Verse 34. And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. So shall my heavenly Father also do to you. Each, if each of you does not forgive his brother from the heart, right? I mean, truly forgive. So, all right. Uh, Hebrews 10. So Jesus came, lived, and, and sacrificed himself for us and gave his life that we might, uh, we might live and we might be the children of God. Thank you, God, for that. But then he says something in verse 26 that through uh, the application of the scriptures uh, from Hebrews chapter 1, all the way, context, all the way over to chapter 10, in verse 26, he separates out two types of sin. For if we go on sinning willfully, there's willful sin. And then that means that there's ignorant sin, right? So willful sin is, you know, I made up my mind to not do the right thing because of. It's a willful thing, maybe a contemplative thought. Verse 26, for if we go on sinning willfully, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. And so Hebrews 6 tells us we kind of crucified Jesus Again, right, throw them back on the cross. Willful sin will lead to the unforgiveness from our God. And you know what's amazing about God not forgiving? It's terrible to Him. Romans, back to Romans, and then then one more scripture and I'll let you go. Romans chapter 6. It's terrible for God because God doesn't want anyone to perish. So, 
back to the old the saying in the beginning there's so much grace there's so much grace there's so much grace to just keep on sinning don't worry god god has got you sometimes you must do wrong in order to do right don't worry about it god has you covered well that's not true again it's not the first time people thought that way in verse 1 of romans 6 what shall we say then are we to continue in sin that grace might increase yes no that's not what it says Verse 2, may it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? The other, the way, the way, the proper way of thinking is, no, 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 the more that I've learned about God, the less that I desire to sin, and the more that I want to live for Him. In fact, I don't even want to sin. I want to set aside my will and allow God's will to be my guide. Finally, Colossians chapter 2. And the verse, uh, the verse is eight. Let us ensure that we um, not allow our minds to be to be taken away, you know, in, in worldly thought, or you know, just to be twisted up in strange thinking, strange teaching, strange doctrine. Verse, verse eight. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men. Now, we've got to separate that out, don't we, in life. What, what's tradition and, and, and what's, what's doctrine? It's important, right? In the Lord's Church in particular, what's tradition and what is doctrine? Now, don't twist it. Don't call doctrine tradition. <laughs> Sometimes we do that. I hear people saying that, well, that's just doctrine, that's just tradition, no, there's tradition and there's doctrine. And then there's doctrine and there's tradition. Don't be carried away. Don't let anyone carry you away or hold you captive in mixing this thing up. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. So let us live our lives um, always asking, what, they, what thus saith the Lord? And then let's understand that holistically. So what, what does that mean? Well, understand a doctrine from what the entire Bible says about it, right? You'll get the foundation in the Old Testament, and you'll find the doctrine in the New. But you can't understand the doctrine unless you get the foundation first, right? The foundation helps us to understand why that law or that rule is even in place. It gives us amazing strength. Don't be deceived and think the Old Testament isn't a very powerful book that gives us an understanding of God in a greater, much greater detail. And that's what helps to increase our faith. So tonight, if we can help in any way, if you're struggling in your faith, we can pray with you, pray for you. Tonight, if you would like to surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism um, and have your sins removed, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and walk with God for the rest of your life. If we can help you in any way, uh, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.